Movies entertain. Entertainment leads to emotions. Those emotions connect us to our enjoyment of film. And that is why we exist, to focus more on the emotional connection than the technical merit. Because every movie makes us feel something. Hello, listeners, and welcome to a new episode of the Feelin' Film Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron, and with me, as usual, is my best friend and co-host, Patrick. You can call me Nissan for this episode, Aaron, if you'd like. I will call you Nissan because we are in America, <laughs> and that is how it is pronounced. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Ruin my day. Never mind. Nissan. I looked this up. I looked this up. I did. I was so bothered by the fact that Orlando Bloom kept calling this thing Nissan, and I learned that it is Nissan, according to like the Japanese company itself. That is what it is called. But in different areas of the world, they pronounce it with a a different kind of accent so in britain they call it nissan and that is why and i actually applaud the film for keeping it real even though it annoyed me every time he said it <laughs> <laughs> okay nissan for the win anyway okay. <laughs> <laughs> well for this conversation about sony's latest video game film adaptation we have brought in some experts that we have long waited to get on the show Joining us to talk Gran Turismo are our dear friends, the Reformed Gamers themselves, Logan Sharp. What's up, dear listeners? <laughs> and Micah Hendrick. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good, good, good. Well, guys, I have wanted to get you on the show for a long time. We've talked about having you on to cover different video game adaptations, and we settled on this one earlier in the summer, and now we've come to the time when it's coming out on home video, and we're able to circle back and get you on. And I wanted to start by hearing a little bit about your podcast. But of course, you also just dropped some news <laughs> like two yeah. days ago. So Logan, as the founder of the Reformed Gamers podcast, which was running for many years, will you please tell our listeners what it is you guys have been doing over there? And you know what's the status is yeah, yeah, yeah. so uh trg started in 2015 uh, we started as a podcast that was going to be a kind of a christian take on a gaming podcast you know i would ask questions like you know can christians play games like grand, Th grand turismo yeah can christians play grand turismo <laughs> can christians play games like grand theft auto what does that look like you know what kind of content should we avoid uh what are some things we can see from games that are actually really good for us to enjoy as christians and it just kind of started from there because I thought if I was asking these questions, chances are there's people out there asking those questions too and didn't really see anyone else doing it. So I was like, all right, fine. I'll go ahead and uh, start it myself. And, you know, here we are in 2023 and we're, well, we've been going. We're actually going to expand. We're going to become like Bucky's now. Uh, actually, no, I'm kidding. We were talking about Bucky's uh, before we hit the record button. But no, we, uh, we are unfortunately ending the podcast uh, at the end of December. So you only have like another month or so, if that, to, to listen. But hey, if you're brand new, you have like 250 some odd episodes uh, to get caught up on. So there's still plenty to enjoy. There's a hefty back catalog. It was me. I, I ruined well, it. Well, okay. I, I came on the podcast, and then it just started going downhill. <laughs> you see, I wasn't going to bring it up, but Micah <laughs> said it, so the cat is out of the bag. You know, Micah said no to my Bucky's expansion idea, and uh, and I'm like, you know what? Fine, then. <laughs> Take your toys and go home. <laughs> yeah, it's like, Cartman, screw you guys. I'm going home. <laughs> well, Micah, you joined what? A year and a half, two years ago, maybe? Yeah, about a year and a half. 
ago, I would say. Um, yeah, the former co-host Adam Sutherland, who was awesome and great. You know, it was kind of his time to to move on. And um, Logan was flying solo for a little while, and um, you know, he had a lot of great guests on during that period and stuff. And I think he was just like, I just need uh, uh, someone in the co-host chair with me. So he tapped me on the shoulder. I'd been on the podcast numerous times as guest host, and um, and yeah, it was just a good fit. We, I think we had some good chemistry or, you know, have good chemistry and, um, but yeah, you know, it's just, it's a lot, man. It's, and yeah. the, I was telling Logan, you know, we have a lot of episodes under our belts and, you know, not a lot of podcasts, say for feeling film can really say they have like just so many episodes in their backlog. And, um, it was, it was a good run and, you know, it's all, it's all Logan's baby anyway, it's whatever he wants to do with it. You know, if he wants to revive it, you know, five years down the road, maybe that will happen. But uh, but for right now, we're going to sunset the podcast and just and just, uh, yeah, just thrive in the, the community that we've created. The TRG, the Discord, online uh, area, just Twitter everywhere. It, it's an awesome community over at TRG. So it's kind of want to, again, just sort of on the air, thank Logan for everything. But yeah, the podcast is unfortunately going to close shop here at the end of 2023. Yeah. It sounds like what he wants to do is a podcast on Bucky's. So maybe, well, I mean, Logan, you, you and I could hook it up like just once saying, a month to a Bucky's podcast. Bucky's has to have a pretty extensive history, right? That, that would cover <laughs> at least several does. seasons, right? <laughs> I'm sure there's some controversy, some care, some scary stories or weird stories that we could share. Some true crime at exactly. Bucky's. Exactly. <laughs> well, like he said, listeners, it is going to run through the end of the year and there are a ton of episodes. And so as long as you're not taking down the feed, you can go check that out anytime. The Reformed Gamers. Luckily, it's a unique name, which is awesome to have in this day and age when podcasts are a dime a dozen. So you type that in and it should come right up. Uh, give them a listen. You'll enjoy it. They've got spoiler casts on movies or not movies, spoiler casts on games as well that obviously are not time sensitive mm-hmm. those don't age you can go listen to those anytime i think we if you're playing i think we might have covered a couple on. movies i know we did ready player one with our former editor skinner oh, and i'm pretty sure we did detective pikachu when that came out too so if you're into those that's uh that's in the back catalog yeah those are two of the better ones yeah, as yeah. well i guess we should try and find out if this one is is yeah. in that group is this one of the better ones or not so before we talk about how we ended up thinking about it i wanted to ask everybody here what your experience is with the game and what your hype factor excitement was going into this. And I'll start, I'll say I grew up probably in the late nineties ish playing Gran Turismo at that time, a little bit here and there, but it was never a series that I was committed to or that I spent a lot of time trying to get good at. I just didn't do sim racing very well. And so I've always respected it. I've always had fun when I dabbled with it, uh, but I never cared about like tweaking cars and doing all the hard stuff. I just needed the auto button, right? That was like, here, build it the best way possible for me so that I can go drive it and wreck it because that's <laughs> my bag. But definitely familiar with it as a PlayStation guy for most of my life. And I was nervous about this movie coming into it because I thought, how in the world are we going to do a narrative movie about Gran Turismo? Uh, it's a simulation racing game. But then I saw Neil Blomkamp's name attached to it, and it's a director who both Patrick and I have long time respected and really enjoyed a lot of his work. And again, kind of weird, like this is a man who has done a bunch of sci-fi stuff, <laughs> and now he's making a sports biopic story based on a video game like what is going on right now and so 
I went into this thing just completely cautious, but hopeful, I would say. What about you guys? Did you guys have any interest in this? Do you guys have a history with Gran Turismo, Micah or Logan? I uh, I grew up as a Nintendo kid, so when I first heard about Gran Turismo, it was always like my friends or my older brother who who were playing it, and I just never really gravitated towards it because that, that just didn't interest me at the time. And then by the time I started getting into racing games, I was pretty much all in on Need for Speed. So I never really got into Gran Turismo until I got a uh, PS4 and played, I think Gran Turismo Sport was the one that was on PS4. Um, and I was like, oh, this is, this is all right, but I'm not really into the whole Sim Racer thing. But when I heard about this movie, I was like, kind of the same thing as you, Aaron. Like, how are they going to make a movie out of Gran Turismo? That doesn't make any sense. And even when I heard it was based on a true story, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool, but this movie's probably not going to be that good. And then I watched Uncharted and it was like, this movie is better than it has any right to be, which blows my mind. So I'm going to, I'm going to let Sony cook on this one and, and see what they do. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll just kind of tease it here. I, I was, I was surprised whether that was a good surprise or a bad surprise. Uh, we'll get into later. Yeah. For me, I've, I'm a long time GT fan. I've been a fan of Gran Turismo since the first game. Um, in like video game magazine culture back in the nineties, every magazine gave Gran Turismo like a five out of five rating, like in the reviews, I'm like, Oh, what's this game? Like, I like racing games enough. So let me check it out. And I would say for, I've played every mainline GT since the first one that's ever come out. And I would, I get into them in this like kind of medium depth level where like, I'm not getting the best times. I'm not playing on like a manual stick shift. I'm doing automatic and everything. I am tweaking some of the cars and stuff and doing some of that. And I, I put, you know, like 30, 40 hours or so into like each game. And then like, all right, I'm good. And then, then kind of move on. But do like the series a lot. But there again, just echo exactly what you guys said. When the movie was announced, it was like, really out of all your ip sony you're you're doing this one okay um i do get it from like a financial perspective and like traditionally up to like mid ps3 era like gran turismo was one of sony's biggest selling franchises in the video games world selling over 10 million copies um, which was huge at the time uh, for ps2 and stuff like that so it makes sense that like they think they have a lot of fans that know this ip but that was about it as far as how it made sense to, to be a movie. And then, like you said, Aaron, when, when Neil's name came on as a director, I'm like, oh, okay, this might actually be something. And and sure enough, um, better than it had any right to be, I think. And certainly uh, a, a success, I would say, like for, for all intents and purposes for Sony. So yeah. yeah, I'm like you, Aaron and Logan. This never clicked with me in terms of a racing game because I'm simple-minded. I don't like tweaking out cars. I like the cars to be tweaked for me and say, yeah. is this the best? And and I hate needing to drift because I can't at all in any <laughs> game, whether it's Need for Speed or Gran Turismo. But I I do remember it being such a flagship consistent game that would come out on each platform. When I got a PS3, I think it was on sale at one point because I'm always a generation behind, as Aaron will tell you, when it comes to consoles. And so I live vicariously through him and some of the latest and greatest stuff. Um with the Spider-Man 2 happening, I may have to shift my uh, next gen up a little bit because oh, it's just absolutely yeah. I just I just don't have the the change for it right now, so we'll we'll leave that there. But 
I, I remember playing a couple of times uh, Gran Turismo, and just it's really complicated. And it was the first time I was introduced with the simulator game, because as I've as a casual gamer, I, I, I hop on Humble Bundle and I'll pick up stuff, you know, pennies on the dollar. And a lot of times they're the you know blank simulator, farming simulator, train simulator, and some of them appeal to me, some of them don't. But you know when you get them for a bargain, you're just going to kind of collect a lot of them. But if I had to pick any one of them, I think the the gaming sim or the the racing simulator appeals to me probably more than any other one because of the fact that you can simplify it, as you mentioned, Mikey. You know, having an automatic. Um, I never got obviously into the actual steering wheel and the and the the pedals and all the stuff that it just amplified the seriousness that this IP as a game was invested in. I mean, this I've seen it recently with with flight simulators, you know, having a the same kind of thing. And it surprises me as someone who's not deep into the gaming industry, just how realistic some of these these games go and how I, I love that the movie plays with that. It's not a game. It's a simulator. You have to be very, very specific about the fact that this is not a game. It's fun to play, but it really is. Hey, you want to make sure that you've got the right kind of aerodynamics on your car, right? The right wheel or the right tires and things like that. And so when knowing that kind of the history of GT and the fact that it's a, a racing simulator, knowing that the movie is coming out, I, I had higher expectations, I think, than and others because I didn't have an investment in the game and knowing what the movie was about based on a true story, not on the video game itself. Like how are you going to create a, <laughs> how are you going to create a, a story based on a video game? If you do that, you might as well just be need for speed. Cause that's got a story attached to it. Whereas no, there's a movie there too. Well, okay. Yeah, <laughs> that exists. <laughs> but yeah. Or, or, um, you know, or, or GTA, you know, th there, there are stories attached to these games that have racing elements. Whereas in a sense, Gran Turismo is all about the racing. It's really difficult to think, how do you get a story out of this? And it made a lot of sense that you're going to attach a person's experience with playing the game leading into something that happened for real. And, and I was, I was more, than, uh, more than surprised at how much I enjoyed this. Should we get like a flight simulator academy? Should maybe I don't know Lockheed Martin or something, or maybe the Navy? I won't be a participant like it's like in that. Top, <laughs> That's top a gun, but <laughs> if you're good at ace combat, let's uh, let's see who could be the real top Dude, fighter pilot. My brother here. works for Lockheed Martin. I need to drop <laughs> that idea. <laughs> you definitely do. <laughs> it's not going he, anywhere. He thinks about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to end well. All right, cool. Well. I just wanted to get the backstory that way everybody listening knows kind of our history. Cause I think especially for these video game movies, a lot of times these adaptations, your personal investment with, well, whatever the source material is, you know, it's like, it's like, have you read the book or have you not read the book? I do this on all my movie reviews. I'm very specific. I, I got roasted a little bit in my latest review for Napoleon. Cause somebody was like, why are you doing a review for Napoleon? If you don't know anything about him. And I was like, I'm not a scholar. That's why I told you that. Like, I'm just, I don't care. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know every battle that this little guy, like, dominated. That's why I'm giving you the context. Um, anyway, <laughs> Logan, you said you were surprised. So how did you think about it? What did you think about this, man? Did you have a good time with uh, it? Did it work I was you? ready to watch this movie and be like, this is probably going to be really boring, and I'm probably not going to like it. You know, give me my Fast and Furious movies, you know. But by the time the credits rolled, um, I was like, how, 
how how does Sony have two <laughs> video game adaptations like turned into movies that are surprisingly good? Because I was I was tuned in the entire time. I thought all the characters were were really um, just what's the word? I, I guess kind of engrossing. Uh, I was Jan especially was really fascinating to watch his whole journey through the whole movie, and then David Harbor was. Really good. Too. I had a feeling he was going to at least be good in this movie, just because I've seen him in Stranger Things and really liked him in that. I liked him in Black Widow, and you know he he did a really good job. But just even the the racing itself, I wish there was a little bit more racing in in the movie. But what we got, I was like, some of the shots in this are just insanely good. Uh, but yeah, I was I was hooked. I was very surprised, and it was just a. It was a good time. I, I had a blast with it. I'm glad I uh, I bought it because I've watched it a couple times and and uh, I'll probably watch it a couple more times too. Yeah, I've seen it a couple of times now. I I was definitely pleasantly surprised as well, and I was going into it a little bit. I was I was ready to be yeah. critical of it and kind of bash it, but I think tying it to that real life story that I didn't actually know for me worked in a big way. What about you, Micah? Yeah, 100%. That was the key to to unlock it all. As before, like leading up to release, as we learn more and more about it, like Logan, you talked about like some of the shots when they're in the racing. They they dove deep into how a lot of that was done. And it was like, okay, that's that's interesting how they're going to do that. And you hear about the, you know, based on a true story. And, all, and like, I'm like, okay, I, I see the avenue now for success here. And um, yeah. I had to, but I didn't have to. I grabbed my wife to watch it with me. You know, we just pretty much watch every movie together. Um, and uh, she was highly skeptical, like highly skeptical <laughs> yeah. that I was dragging her to watch I couldn't this. get my wife to watch and, it because she um, was skeptical like that. She's like, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I don't think I was as skeptical as her, but I was I was pretty skeptical. And, you know, not to get to, too spoilery, but, you know, we're we're like weeping. Yeah, <laughs> two parts of this movie. It's like, bro, like, didn't sign up for this. Uh, th- thought it was it totally kind of um, outpunched this weight class. Uh, way better than I was expecting. Um, all the racing shots were well done and and kind of heart pounding and and cool. Um, it kind of had that classic like you know, there's so many rivals like rival racers like the. Like the uh, like a, the uh, opponents, uh, hockey players in the Mighty Ducks or something like those, right? <laughs> like, like yes, yeah, like you're always seeing these guys out. They have like three lines, and they're always like looking real cocky or angry uh-huh. or whatever. All that kind of stuff going on, I like that. Um, and just all the redemption arcs in in this movie. Uh, several characters going through redemption arcs or just kind of coming full circle um, was really cool to see. It was kind of a a, a little bit maybe too buttoned up for an ending, but it was all really satisfying and, um, and, and just well done overall. So yeah, just kind of general thoughts, thumbs up, really, really liked it. And, uh, we'll, we'll definitely be watching it again. I would agree with, with a lot of that. It does feel formulaic in that it hits those standard beats that'll hit your heartstrings. And I think that's okay. I don't think there's anything wrong with having things that are familiar. Uh, as you mentioned, Micah, you have redemption arcs, you have the rivalry. Those are things that you see echoed throughout so many movies like Days of Thunder. Um, I got Ford v. Ferrari vibes because of Le Mans. And, I mean, and so there are, there are parts of this that excited me. I enjoyed watching it. And I think for Neil Blomkamp, he had enough invested from the real life events 
to be able to, where I think he found success was he amplified the things that were really important and were significant to the story. And he downplayed the other things. So you have, you might have composite characters here and there, but like the crash, like that seems too big to be real, but it actually happened. And so it was a big cinematic thing to watch to kind of like get you, your eyes wide open, like, wow. And then to know that it was something that factually happened. Um, I love the fact that we get an ending that placed value on just hitting the podium, that it wasn't first place, that that's what actually happened. I thought that was fantastic. Mm -hmm. So I think when you talk about these true to life stories, it's important to have that kind of balance. But I think both Logan and Mike, you guys mentioned something really interesting that uh, your wives um, had some hesitancy, some trepidation. Logan, your wife wouldn't. And I think the fact that this is a video game adaptation is a bad way to market it. It's a racing movie. It's a sports movie. And it has that video game attachment to it, which I think adds an element of interest because of how Jan gets to where he does. Because if you took that away, if you just kind of remove that first third of the movie, it would have felt a little bit more bland, like, oh, this up and coming teenager gets a chance to race. But the fact that he gets it through a video game trial and he has to go through this camp, I think adds a level of intrigue and interest to the story that makes it more appealing. And while we did get some of those same kinds of beats, I had the same kind of reaction that both of you did in that there were times when I was like, oh man, oh man, oh man, even though I knew it was going to happen or I had a feeling, and even though it did kind of get wrapped up in a way that was a little, little too perfect or whatever, I didn't care because I think Blomkamp wants us to experience a story that has realistic, like real truth to it, but also let us feel that kind of investment in these characters like we're watching rocky or we're watching cold trickle or, or whatever and of course you know the icing on the cake is the cinematography i think it just it blows my mind in some of these instances the variance of how Drones. some of these shots were done um hands down my favorite scene i'm gonna go ahead and say this was the trial that the the to get you um passing gt school the 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 from behind camera shot that is in the game in the video game it's fantastic i'm really glad they didn't do that again to just embellish it because that part of the movie was really more centered around video game players whereas when you get to le mans you get to the bigger stage the actual racing of against other race drivers it's now more cinematic and i love that choice that was made to not go full on like hey we're gonna we're gonna play like this is a video game no you're not you're gonna this is the video game portion, and this is the cinematic portion. I thought that was a great choice. Yeah, I do too. You mentioned the realism and the, the truth to the film. I don't know if you guys dug into this at all afterwards, but I was very compelled to and wanted to immediately know, okay, what was fact, what was fiction? And I was shocked to see that there, almost all of this is pretty spot on. Like you said, Patrick, without the difference being like the David Harbour character and the Orlando Bloom character, they're kind of like composites. But Jan really did win GT Academy in dramatic fashion. And there really was a hold while they determined who was the winner. And that's when he called his mom and said, I kind of won GT Academy before he was 100% sure. And then they used that exact line in the film, which I thought was great. I don't know if you guys went back and looked at the crash. I'm not necessarily recommending it because obviously it, it is 
involving a fatality. Yeah. You don't see that part like directly, but I w- went back and watched the actual crash and it is filmed in the exact way. The car literally does that exact thing where it goes straight up and just horizontal movement. Um, and it is eerie uh, how well they, how well, how accurate they depicted the crash. And then like the placing third in Le Mans. I, I also think that that elevates this in a big way because it's it's a story. It's a common sports story of an underdog being successful. But the thing that is the hook is that he went from being a video gamer to a driver, not that he became a champion because Jan didn't go on to become like this great champion. You know, I mean, he won some races here and there, but this was enough and this proved the the concept worked and that was more what it was about honestly than any necessarily one driver because if if you think about it you know le mans takes three drivers it took all three of them being on top of their game uh, it wasn't just jan that accomplished that by himself so i like that a lot too patrick you mentioned the the video gameness of it i actually didn't connect the dots that they they definitely made a break in how often they embellished graphically um but you know this is part of why i wanted you guys here so from a gamer perspective logan micah whichever one of you wants to go first but like what did you guys think about the way that the game got adapted into this film world i'm gonna let micah talk about since he's he's played more grand gran turismo than i have good idea probably more than all of us <laughs> well i will say that um i i really liked it the the, the whole the, the scenes that patrick's talking about the integration of it, like the whole it was when he first got to that you know, like like he was racing into the clock to get back to the to the like video game cafe lounge or whatever the arcade and like get on there and like take the wheel and then it started doing all that stuff around him and, start, and then it kind of transformed to is all that stuff was really cool and just all the there were a lot of little touches that if you know GT, you're like, yep, that's the icon that goes there and that's where that's at and that's that and that's and just kind of all the the, the thing being a fan of the games, the, the main thing about the film that jumped out to me is all the tracks. I was like, dude, yes, Nürburgring, uh, Le Mans, all, all these fantastic tracks that are iconic and uh, the way that they brought to life the atmosphere of being at the track on race day um was was really well done um there weren't a ton of like kind of video gaming touches like the way that they kind of integrated that were like super um special in in any particular way or like you know fans of gt would i I did appreciate the uh, right at the very beginning it was based on a true story and there was that playstation sound that kind of went when it was said based on true story at the very very beginning did like that Cop but, avoidance, yeah, but, by the way, since I haven't played, I don't remember a Gran Turismo game that flashes cop avoidance when he's like outrunning the cop. It felt very like Need yeah. for Speed to me. Has that been it? A- <laughs> that that was a little weird. That that was one that kind of jumped <laughs> out. That I, I wasn't sure about all that. Um, but there were there, there were some other touches, and and then kind of the main one that was the the mainstay throughout the whole film was as you're watching the real races. That's like he's in eighth place right here, kind of like an Avatar following along with him, like it would in in a game. So that was a cool little touch that I appreciated. Yeah, some of the things that I I thought were just cool was just the little parts of the of the game side of things where like you would see them modifying the cars or the car would be like exploding and then coming back down uh, around him or changing or something like that. It's got a nice video gamey feel. But the one that stood out to me, there was actually two things that stood out to me. I was like, uh, 
this feels out of place. One of them you've already mentioned, which was the cop avoidance thing. I'm like, mm, guys, you took this from Need for Speed Hot Pursuit. <laughs> like, come on. Uh, then there was a, a thing at the end where, or maybe it was a, a different race, but there was there's one race where the the character Jan he gets out and he like puts his hand in the air and it like splits to like a, a victory scene from Gran Turismo uh, Sport or whatever the newest one seven is. And I'm like, wait a minute. That was a little, I mean, some people may not even notice it, but for me, I was like, that that's a little weird. But um, I think it was smart, though. I okay, like Micah liked it. But <laughs> <laughs> I think for the most part, the way that they used the subtle game imagery of, of Gran Turismo in this game is incredibly smart. And I think, Patrick, you said this earlier that the, the marketing it as a video game adaptation was a, a really bad idea because the way that Gran Turismo, or at least the game elements from it that's implemented into this is so subtle that you could probably not even mention anything about it being a game. And then it just gets away with it. Totally fine. Cause it's so smart in how yeah. they use it. I think the challenge though, is the fact that it's those video game elements that add to Jan's character and being so intriguing. Like the, yeah. The moment that I think it was sort of mentioned in the trailer, shown in the trailer, but it's in that final lap or two of Le Mans where he's he's talking with uh, he's talking with Jack and he's saying, "Listen, I've done this a thousand times. I know this track. I can take this 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 uh, this other line." And it's it's those types of things and showing graphically the line and yeah. how he does it. I think those things wouldn't have been as strong visuals if this was marketed as just a, a racing movie because it uh, would have felt a little out of place. True, and yeah, so those other things. But at the same time, I mean, Nissan, Sony could have combined they, – they could have found a compromise that, hey, based on – you know, adapted from the best-selling video game or whatever. Putting, I guess, what I'm saying is, putting the video game at the forefront as opposed to Yawn would have been is is what kind of happened. I think putting Yawn at the at the center of this, saying, "Hey, here's a racer who used a video game to actually launch a racing career." Like if you market it that way, and you use, you mention the video game, then those elements are still supportive, but they're in support of him and his story and his relationship with Jack and all that stuff. But from from a visual standpoint and from just even an entertainment standpoint, I wasn't bothered by that. As someone who doesn't play the game that much, mm -hmm. I was going into it because I adore the technological part of this. So, you know, feel and film are all about how it makes you feel, but I've got to throw some love at the cinematography, as I mentioned before. But I, I think the end credits in particular just fascinated me because of the level of detail that the studio has gone to. I love seeing how they're working, how they, they use photogrammetry to actually scan the aircraft, how they put them in little, the, the, or aircraft, sorry, I work in the aviation industry and we do that. So, but they're, they photo, they photo scan these cars and then they capture sound. The level of detail that goes into it just echoes in the movie and how it supports why Jan was such a, a great driver, not an outstanding driver. And as you mentioned, Aaron, he wasn't the best, but he, I think the, the ending credits mentioned that he's been racing and he's done over 200 races. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a guy who had no formal training. And so in, at the end of the day, this movie tells his story, but it also like brings to light 
the value of simulation games and how they can actually train people to do something where they don't have to be in the actual vehicle. Like this is a, at the, at the very least, this is an exercise in, you know what? We can save lives by training people in a, in a flight simulator instead of putting them in a plane and risking that plane crashing. And so I, I think as a movie, it was incredibly entertaining, but those video game elements, I think added a little bit more playfulness to the story. And, but they weren't distracting to a point for me where I was like, okay, this feels video, video game too video game heavy. And again, like I said, I, I like the fact that they tapered off because tonally we got away from, he's not a video game player now. He's a driver and his focus is on being a better driver. And I think that was very intentional. I think Blomkamp really sold that and, and subtly kind of pushed that forward. So by the time we get to the end of the movie, we're not thinking about, oh, Jan's a video game player that became a great driver. No, we're thinking Jan's a great driver. He just completed Le Mans, like one of the hardest, if not the hardest track to race on. And he did it. And he did it without any formal training outside of being a video game player. So it became kind of the, the back piece or the background piece of being a video game player, which I thought was very cool because it brought attention to him and his career. If I can add real quick to Aaron, um, uh, as a GT fan, the thing that kind of I was surprised to see how much they focused on it was the love for Polyphony Digital, the developer, and the scene where they went to the studio at the beginning when he went to Tokyo and met Kazunori of Yamaguchi or Yamauchi, I think, and kind of all that. I was surprised at the level, it, it, you know, uh, it seems like they really hammed up the PlayStation-ness of this movie a little bit. But that was a that was a nice little touch as a as a fan of that developer that they kind of went there and like yeah this is kind of how and then again when you we're talking about the the credits like the credit scene showing how they capture everything Patrick that's what reminded me but yeah that was a good I like that they spent you know five ten minutes or whatever it was there and, and kind of hung out at Polyphony. Yeah, that was neat I like the uh, the way the imp was implemented too just pretty much across the board I I wasn't ever distracted by it and like everybody else has said you know by the end of it I was locked into the story. I wasn't wondering what the next flourish was going to be. Uh, I, I think they did a good job balancing how often they would put the numbers over the cars, how often they would show the racing line and the you know digitized dashboard versus just a constant influx of that. Um, and, and so it, it really, really worked for me balance-wise. I mean, it felt like a formulaic sports racing biopic or any other movie you know i think it's got a lot of the tropes that we become very used to and there are parts of this that are just like top gun or uh another any other i guess days of thunder which is also <laughs> top gun <laughs> and and racing uh both together uh so it's it's got all of these elements it's got the idea of you know a talent Versus someone who is able to get into a sport because of money. And this is a big problem in racing, high-end auto racing across the board, F1 as well. It, it just costs so much money to do. You can't just go down to your local YMCA and practice becoming a car racer when you're 8, 9, 10 years old. Like You've got to have the money to be bought into these high-end expensive karting organizations and so we get that we get the family doubting him the, the dad wanting him to do something else especially when the dad is also an athlete 
and and has desire for him to play a sport or accomplish something in that way in a competitive way we get the rivals versus teammates situations or rivals becoming teammates in some situation in one point where uh, baby dave franco i forgot his actual name i think it's like darren balter or something but he, he very much is like dave franco to me <laughs> every time i see him uh he, he becomes the rival in gta academy and then becomes the teammate at the end of the the film and then you've got the straight up rival right which is the money guy who just doesn't want him there because he doesn't quote belong um, the pit crew who's against Jan because they don't believe in him and them kind of trying to to come around to the point where they respect his talent and then you have that overcoming tragedy piece of the wreck that he has to get through and and all of that to me is very top gun or and even iron eagle i got i got some iron eagle vibes i don't know if you guys mike and logan are, are iron eagle fans or if you even know what that movie is this is another like top gun like movie uh, I'll, I'll briefly tell you because Logan's shaking his head. Came out right around the time as Top Gun, which you know Top Gun, right? Oh yeah. To... Oh yeah. Okay, so it's about about an eighteen year old kid who, or eighteen, nineteen, something like that. His dad's an an Air Force pilot, and his dad gets shot down in the Middle East somewhere. So this kid, who is part of a very small teenage local flying club, has you know flies like prop planes, works with these kids. And a couple of military personnel, one, the main one, which is played by Lewis Gossett Jr., who is also a retired pilot who used to fly with this kid's dad. And they help him steal and arm a fighter jet so he can solo go off with this guy to go save his dad in the Middle East by himself in an Air Force jet. And it's phenomenal. And, it's, and there's this, this whole element to it where they, he puts on music and he like to go to his like to get in the zone before he like starts doing bombing runs and stuff like he's got to like listen to certain music and so when Jan is like when when uh David Harbour's character <laughs> at the end there he's like he needs to get him in the zone and get him focused and he just like puts on the music I was like this is Iron Eagle totally Iron Eagle so um anyway I, I feel like it's pulling from a lot of different movies and for me I just I just thought all that stuff worked does anything stand out to you i mean i know we all said oh it's a little formulaic but well micah i'll ask you you said tears what what was it that got you emotional about this yeah I, well i didn't know about the crash well i didn't know really much about the story at all I, I knew it was based on a true story but i didn't know about the crash so when that happened and how it was shot it was so surprising because at first you're like oh man he's about to get some sweet air oh crap what and i'm like just because it's so horrific I'm like dude's about to die and um so so that and just i as i get older i've got three kids and as i you know, grow into fatherhood man stuff anything related to family and like moms and dads and children and stuff it just like gets me so when he was in the hospital and you know, the the weight of what was happening was hitting yon and like his parents were trying to read and he's not answering the phone it's like oh my dear goodness like it was just a powerful scene um, so, so that was the specific scene I was talking about as far as tears and just that, um, and quick note about the crash. I don't know if you looked into this Aaron. you were talking about, you know, did you go back and watch the crash? I found out that the crash actually happened after the Le Mans uh, victory. Uh, the, and, and so that was just, I guess, you know, I used for, know for timing, dramatic yeah. reasons to, to stir him, you know, and, and kind of for, uh, Jack and, and David Harbour's character, you know, to, to kind of have that moment to like, Hey man, you know, it was, you know, I, I crashed, you know, kind of, you know, 
learn 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 from from uh, my mistakes. Um, so yeah, that section was cool. That stood out. Um, and I just love all the redemption arcs. I love like there's a there's a scene I love, and is it the actor's name that played Jan's dad? Um, is it? Help me out with the pronunciation. Is it Jamon Unsu or something like that? I believe who's in Jaimin Hansu. Uh, Jaimin Hansu. Yeah, he's yeah. Blood Diamond Jaiman, is yes. another big one. Mm-hmm. Blood Diamond Gladiator. He's yeah. in Guardians of the Galaxy. I loved his character, and he he was walking by Jan's room, and he's like, "Why don't you follow the race line?" And it as 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 someone growing up playing video games, and my parents were very uninterested in video that was such a classic like i'm just walking by and just at arm's length i'm observing my child play these games and my dad would have the same he's like can you jump and do this and that and i'm like no you can't do that backseat gaming (laughs) yeah and he would be there for for 60 seconds and kind of watch me comment and then move on that's exactly how i was like that i love that scene and then it came back you know in the movie and stuff and just that whole redemption arc and he's like I didn't properly support you, you know, before at the end of the movie. And he, he, he straight up said it. And it's like, yeah, that's like, I just, I just love that whole redemption arc for the dad, especially someone who, again, someone from our generation, you're growing up with the NES and the Sega Genesis and the super in the Nintendo 64. And your parents are oftentimes like video games are a waste of time. Why do you like this? It's, it's it was very much a shunned kind of hobby. And that all came through really well. And then to have that kind of redeeming art for for the dad yeah. was uh, just kind of hit home for me. And um, yeah, so I, that that stood out I, for me. In the I think what I like about that, Micah, is that it wasn't that the video games are stupid idea was on display. Like that was never tonally at all like the message. It was more about him telling Jan, listen, go back to school. If this is something you want to do, go back to school get that education because I want this for you. I think that's where the focal point was. That's where his frustration was, is that it wasn't that he was wasting his time because of video games, that video games were the problem. It was that he wasn't doing what he wanted to do. And and I think that that's, that's what the movie does so well, is it amplifies the importance of what Gran Turismo was to his son, not just a, not a distraction because he couldn't do what he wanted to do, but a tangential way of getting better at what he wanted to do. And that to me is an incredible like learning experience story between him and his dad, where his dad realizes, Oh, GT is more than a video game. It is actually teaching my son because I'm seeing it here on the track. And the fact that he didn't have to go to school, the fact that he's learning this from someplace else that is unconventional. I think that, creates this level of respect that his dad had for him and what he was doing. And so it makes that redemptive moment at the end where he's proud of him. He's like, wow, you did something incredible. This wasn't some kind of like advocacy for like, yes, we should all get our PlayStations and we should all play these Sims so we can get better. No, it wasn't (laughs) that. It was about the fact that, that Jan never lost his desire to do this. Like from the moment because of his dad, he wanted to race cars. He's always wanted that. He just found an unconventional way to do it, just like he found an unconventional way to get ready for for these races by listening to <laughs> Kenny Chi and Inya. You know, I think that is one of the most beautiful parts about this is the unconventionalness of how someone gets from one place to another. And I think that's what makes the story really interesting is because it's not your standard 
um, rise from the you know poverty to riches story. It's a it's a sports biopic, but it goes in such a weird way that that's what makes it interesting. So it hits the right beats, but getting there is a little bit more fresh than what we've seen in the past. And I think part of that is because it's not about someone going after a goal in a way that is incredibly unrealistic. And this ties into what you're saying about how his dad approached his game playing. His dad just wanted him to do something else as a job. And the yawn was not playing Gran Turismo with the goal of getting good to become a professional gamer, right? So Jan is not like the millions of YouTubers that we see who are on Twitch or whatever playing Rocket League all the time named Micah trying to get good to become... No, I'm trying to like work their way into the pro scene because they think that's going to be their career. That's not what Jan was doing. Jan was just playing the game because Jan loved the game and the opportunity met his passion and he seized it right he took an he took that opportunity and he poured himself into it but i think there's a very big difference in that and the culture that we see out in the world where this generation logan i think you talked about this on one of your podcasts you're a teacher and i believe you were talking about this in a recent episode where you had pulled the kids or something and i remember you specifically talking about how kids want to be pro gamers like that's what they want to do for their careers or youtubers and and that's not we parents don't think that because that's not realistic and it's not, but that wasn't really what Yom was doing here. Um, I didn't think. Did anything stand out for you uh, particularly, Logan, as far as like uh, favorite scenes, favorite kind of themes in I this? I mean, we, we've talked about them uh, pretty much, and my wife will tell you anything that deals with father son relationships always gets me real good. And Micah, you brought up that scene where he's walking by and he's like, "Well, why, why aren't you following the line?" I freaking love that scene it it just makes me so happy thinking about it uh because it's just it's in that moment where you see the dad taking a little bit of an interest in in his son's hobby and what he's interested in uh and it gives them an opportunity to kind of bond there and share that and um man i yeah i i i really love those scenes and i think what i really loved most was when Jan would get to demonstrate that he's not just some kid playing a video game. He understands how these cars work. There's one race in, I think it's when they're in the GT Academy, and he tells David Arbor's character that the brakes are, there's something wrong with the brakes. Glazed. They're, they're glazed, yeah. Glazed. And David's like, no, whatever, blah, blah, blah. He's like, you're not, you don't got it. And uh, and I'm like, watch, he's going he's gonna to have someone test this, and he's going to be right. And that's what happens, and I'm like, this is so cool. I, I love that they were showing that it's almost like a, a, I don't know why I thought of the matrix, but it's almost like a matrix type of moment where like he was in the simulation. And so he knows things it's like, Oh, I know Kung Fu, but I know how to drive a car, you know, and he knows how it's supposed to feel and he knows how it's supposed to work. And so when it doesn't work the way that he knows it's supposed to be, he's able to share that knowledge and prove he, he's more than just what people think he is. And I love seeing that kind of progress throughout the movie. You see that a couple more times and it's just, it's just a cool way of, of doing it, of showing that, you know, Jan's just not here because he likes playing a video game. He's here because he genuinely loves cars and he understands them and he understands how they work. And that's just, it, it's really cool to show that, that type of expertise that, that the character has that other people are discounting just because, you know, it's like, Oh, it's a video game, whatever. So it's cool. Do it. Any of you guys watch F1 
or am I the only one that keeps up with this? I'm seeing shaking of heads. Do you guys notice or no? Do you know who was playing Jan's mother off the top of your heads? Did it click for you at all? No. Okay, so her name is Jerry Howell, also known as Ginger Spice from the Spice Girls. What? She oh. she is the wife of the chief engineers, team principal, I guess you should is what they call them of the championship Red Bull F1 team. His name is Christian Horner, and she's his wife. Wow. And and they've won the last two championships and been very dominant. And it's definitely why she was cast in this role, <laughs> because of, like, her ties to the racing world. Just a, a really interesting, fun, like, That's me. Yeah. twist there, of, because most people like, don't realize that as a, after a pop star, she just retired, and she's, you know, just a wife of a, of a racing team principal, um, and still, you know, part-time actress, but... I thought that was fun. So we've had I want I want to briefly talk to you guys about like the landscape of video game adaptations. We've had what three when it, Uncharted wasn't this year, was it? It was last year, well, I think. But we've yeah, had sure. in the last couple of years, we've we've had Uncharted, we've had the Super Mario Brothers movie, which was a ginormous financial success. Uh we've had The Last of Us come through HBO. And knock it, knock people's socks off. We've had Gran Turismo be at least modestly successful at the box office. I think it's going to find its legs even more so at home. Personally, um, I mean, I rewatched it for this, and I just I loved it even more. Like it's just such a rewatchable, fun, well paced film. Yeah. Um, energy wise, do you guys think that we're finally trending? We we we're trending in the right direction, and that curse is going to be broken. Like, do you see us? getting better or do you look at the failures like the halo show that came out and just came and went and it's freaking halo and like most people don't even know it ever existed i watched it uh it wasn't very good (laughs) or or you know like we get these weird adaptations like twisted metal uh that are strange and off the wall like where do you guys see the landscape as it is now and kind of what directions it going well, Aaron, the, the problem with the Halo show was that it was Xbox tied to it. And, uh, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, nothing Xbox has been good for a few years now. That's true. No, I'm just giving them just a hard time. Just not their time. No, part of their problem was they just didn't get the right people to write the show that had nothing to do. They had no knowledge of, of the game. And so that was just, that was a bad idea. I think for the most part, at least when it comes to Sony and even Nintendo, like what we're seeing with them is that because, and maybe they're taking some notes from Marvel here, that if you are going to do a movie or TV show based on one of your properties, you need to be actively involved. And I think with them, they're understanding that that they need to represent those properties well and keep the spirit of them, while also changing enough to where it brings people in who maybe have never heard of the game or played the game and allows them to uh, bring people in that way. It also doesn't, I mean, it also helps when you cast Tom Holland as a, uh, as Nathan Drake, that really gets people in. But I think, I think at least with those two, they're on the right track. I think it was announced recently that they're making a live action legend of Zelda movie. Nintendo is, which is together Nintendo and Sony. Sony is backing. Yes, it. it's very weird. It's weird, yeah. but I think I, I, I'm still skeptical. But I, I'm going to let them cook. It's one of those things where it's like, okay, you guys knew what you were doing with the Mario thing. You guys, Sony clearly knew what they were doing with Uncharted and Gran Turismo to the point where they they really surprised me. 
I'm going to let them cook. They made a Detective Pikachu movie that worked. They did too. I mean, I think so, we would agree. So I think I think both those companies are in a really good spot now to where they understand just how to do this really well and to get the right people behind it because that is part of the battle too is you got to get the right people tied to the projects. And when you do that, you have a pretty good formula for uh, some form of success. So I think that if they keep this up, I mean, they, they, they could do well. And, and I got to say, that Twisted Metal show, admittedly, I haven't finished it, but I, I have a hard time sitting down just watching stuff to begin with. That Twisted Metal show is surprisingly good. It's not great, but it is good. It's got it's got some laughs. And uh, I can't remember the guy's name that plays Sweet Tooth, but he was uh, Batman in the Lego Batman. Uh, Will Arnett, hilarious as Sweet Tooth. Michael, what would you kind of say as far as the landscape goes? I mean, I know we have some more live adaptation, live action adaptations on the horizon as well in the TV space. We have like a Fallout right around the corner, and I believe right. they're working on God of War. Like, do those get you excited these days? Yeah, the ones that I'm thinking of, well, I guess going back to answer your question just in general, uh, yeah, I think video game adaptations are, are trending up compared to traditional um, offerings. Sony in particular is um, really focused on quality for their products right now. Um, they've always put out quality, just electronics. You know, Sony is a, a brand that you trust in, in that world. You know, your TVs, your, your home consoles. Um, and with their games here lately, they're really taking good care of them for the most part. And I think they're taking that same strategy to, to the movie and TV realm. And when you deliver something like The Last of Us HBO series, it it just doesn't get much better than that. I, I don't watch a lot of film, a lot of TV, but that was freaking good. And um, so I have when I, I think of things like the Ghost of Tsushima movie that's going to be directed by the uh, John Wick director like i'm yeah i'm amped i have <laughs> zero pairing. doubts that that's gonna be good i have zero doubts that the uh horizon zero dawn netflix series is gonna be solid at least i have i, I think logan is a little bit more skeptical i have zero doubts about this legend of zelda live action movie i think it's gonna be great i think when we see the first trailer for it we're all gonna be like like the internet's gonna break it's gonna be awesome uh so i'm really excited where <laughs> these video game adaptations are going i think I think the the Sony's and the Nintendos of the world, the people that own the IP, are they're wising up to to get getting good creatives on the projects, much like how Marvel did with their Spider-Man games to grab Insomniac, a great developer. It's like, okay, we're tired of all these middling offerings. Let's get someone who knows their stuff to produce a great Spider-Man game for us. And so they're pairing with with great directors like Neil and and all these other guys that. Uh, um, I'm blanking on the the showrunner for Last of Us, um, but uh, Craig, Craig Mazin. Thank you. Yes, yeah, they're partnering with the right people to make these these video games come alive. And so, yeah, I'm I'm very positive on the outlook for adaptations. Yeah, I think respecting your property is where that starts with. I think in like the '90s when we got Punisher, we got um, the some of the more comical <laughs> comic book adaptations and, and video game adaptations there was it was a fan grab more than anything else so i say very tersely don't listen to your fans that's not that's not completely true i mean sonic became successful because the 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 company listened to the fans saying hey sonic does not look like what he should and they took the time and they made the change and i don't know what the story if there were any changes but that to me was a win 
for a company that listened to their fan base. But the same sentiment lives in things like The Last of Us, in Uncharted, in Gran Turismo. Companies understand their property and they respect their property. They don't just look at video games as something that's like, hey, the video game was successful. Let's cash grab it by making a movie out of it. No, they're providing the same kind of care. And The Last of Us is a great example. Naughty Dog has taken great care in crafting two pretty spectacular entries in order to bring people into a narrative that they care about the characters. Insomniac with Spider-Man is the same way. And I think with something like Gran Turismo, the success of this movie lives in the fact that you're not gamifying a movie. You're not making this a video game movie. You're making it a sports biopic that sprinkles in the fact that it's a video. It's based, it's inspired by a video game. That's what I think should be the tagline inspired by a video game, because the story is not about Gran Turismo and about the great graphics and the incredible studio that put all this stuff together. I can't just say enough about how I'd love to go work for them and just spend a day in their workshop and say, just walk me through your process because that just fascinates me. But Blomkamp, uh, as you were mentioning, Micah, I think he's a director that cares about the thing that he is directing. And I think that Aaron, you and I, I think what we like Blomkamp is that when he goes all in with it, when he invests himself financially and creatively into his projects, movies like Chappie that aren't very popular <laughs> are favorites of ours because we see the love that he puts into a story like that. And so when you have a guy that's passionate about storytelling and wants to make it just as good as the property that it's coming from and a company like Sony that wants that quality to uh, be there, that's where the success comes in. So I agree. I think, I think we're trending upward because I think companies that own these properties understand that the game already is successful. They don't need to cash grab a movie. They're really just giving fans something like a value add. This is like the DLC for the for the movie industry, right? And I'm I'm hopeful that I can see more video games that make sense to become movies become movies. I would be interested. I don't know if I'd see it, but I think I'd be interested in seeing what a GTA well, looks like, you know, because that to me has such an immersive story with it and so many entries. What would you do with that? I don't know. But Mike, are you going to say something? Yeah, just talk about the trending up. I had to drag my wife to see this. And now she's a fan of it. She was talking to me about it the next day about the movie and, and commenting about this and that. And now we, we rented it, you know, for five ninety nine on, you know, on demand or whatever. But I'm going to take her to Gran Turismo 2 in the theater, if there is one, for example. And she's going to come along and, you know, willingly. And so, they're, they're, therefore, it's like she, they just got a new fan in my wife, you know, who Absolutely. was reluctantly being, you know, yeah. coming into this experience. So, yeah. And that's what I think at the, Logan, at the court. get your wife on board. I'm trying, man. I, I'll get her to watch it this week or sometime <laughs> soon. I was going to chime in and, and say that I think at the at the end of the day, and really at the core of kind of what we're talking about here is – that's what these companies are finally getting. Just tell a good story, something that's going to captivate us, something that we can relate to. Because we as humans, we we love stories. We love telling stories. I think that's why a lot of us, you know, create podcasts because we like to tell stories and share those stories. 
But, I mean, you even think about it, of course, I'm going to relate it back to theology. I mean, that's why Jesus told parables all the time, because it was easy enough for people to understand, while at the same time having a deeper meaning that would kind of entice people that would be like, well, wait a minute, what did you mean by this? And bring people along that way. And so when you tell a good story, that's what it does. It it hooks people. It, It gets people interested. And I'm really excited to see these companies kind of take note of that. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that Super Mario Brothers, the movie had like a groundbreaking story and it was, you know, amazing and made me feel things. But at the same time, they understood their characters and knew how to write a story based around that and and have some of the gameplay in there. And they were very smart in making Jack Black sing a song about peaches. Uh, but at least on the Sony front, you kind of get that stuff to where the story is interesting enough to where it pulls you in. You can kind of relate to it to a couple uh, a couple areas. And so well said. Well, thank you guys for coming on. I uh, appreciate it. It's been awesome. I'm really glad to be able to get you guys perspective on something like this. I'm still very sad that the podcast is going away as much as I respect and applaud your decision from like a mental health, per- you know, angle and just spending time doing other things that you love and that give you meaning in life. I will miss it uh, greatly. So why don't you tell people for us where they can find it once again? And if anybody is interested in connecting with you guys, if you have social media or if you just want to plug the reformed gamers discord, which is one of the like only like two discords that I, I mean, I'm probably a member of about 30 discords <laughs> and it's like one of two that I am a regular participant in. It's that good. Yeah. And, People talk about all sorts of different stuff, but where can people find you guys? Yeah, man, it's it's that news channel that gets you, man. That's that's easily the best the best channel. <laughs> no, uh, if you want to check our show out uh, and some of the content, really the best way to kind of there's two avenues you can get it. Probably the best one is our YouTube channel, YouTube.com/slash The Reform Gamers. We are closing in on 2,000 subscribers uh, by the end of the year, so if you want to help us reach that goal. I'm cool with that. Uh, But that's a great way to get past podcast episodes. I'm currently playing through the entire Trail series. So if any of you are JRPG fans, you can check that over there. We also have a website, thereformgamers.com. Although by the time this releases, it may have reverted back to thereformgamers.wordpress.com. But regardless, those two are great ways to to get access to our content. And then, of course, our community is always having a good time over in our Discord server. So uh, links to that is in every uh, show notes of our episodes. So you can get that pretty much uh, anywhere. Uh, I am on Twitter, but my account is protected because it seems like every time I tweet, bots flood my likes or anything. And it just blows my mind at just how many bots are on that platform now. Uh, but you can find me at the Theo Logan. So it's a play on the theologian. Uh, but you can find me over there. Micah, kick it to you, man. Yeah, um, I'm, I hang out on Twitter primarily. Um, I'm not calling it X. Yeah. Uh, follow me at Doug's Vest, um, D-O-U-G-S-V-E-S-T. Um, and yeah, I post, uh, I just talk about video game stuff and just kind of nerdy stuff and post a lot of hashtag virtual photography. Um, which and yeah hang out in the discord over with I gotta hi- he's talking about in-game photography and he's one of the best I've i was ever bu- seen. i was gonna say like, we gotta hype that up man because some of the shots you're putting yeah. anytime i always go to micah's uh, thing and i'm just like gosh he is so good it's like some of these shots i don't know how he set it up but they're so good i know well, when you take when you stop playing uh spider-man and just stop for 17 minutes <laughs> to get one <laughs> shot perfect that's what it takes. And then, all right, let me go back to <laughs> doing this mission with Black Cat. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what, that's, what, that's what you have to do, basically, if you want those shots. I <laughs> love it. Nice. All right. 
All right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Feeling Film. For those of you who live in the United States, it's Thanksgiving week, and Aaron and I are going to be taking the week off to enjoy time with our respective families and friends and just take a much-needed break. So uh, take the break with us. Listen to our backlog, whatever you you want to do to enjoy movies. Uh, Obviously, watch the movie before you listen to an episode because we like the spoiler stuff. Logan, Mike, and thanks again for coming on. We really enjoyed this conversation. We'll talk soon. Right on, man. Thanks for having us. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoy the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. These help increase visibility for the show and grow our community of listeners like you. We also invite you to connect with us further by joining our ever-growing Facebook discussion group. A link to that is in the show notes, or you can just search on Facebook and find us that way. If you'd like to continue the conversation with me, you can follow the show on Twitter at Film, or connect with me in the Facebook group. I'm very active in both places and would love to chat. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at Shoeless Patch on both Facebook and Twitter. Be sure to tag me in any comments so that I'll be notified and not miss you. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, stay positive. And keep feeling film.